Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. Hi. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday forever and ever. You know, would we ever switch the days? Probably not. That would just be no. way too much change. Of all the things we want to change up. We cannot mess with the schedule. People don't like when we change the songs. You know, I think about our schedule all all the time. And like, I always think back to what we say every time, which is that if you had told us we had would find time for this every week for nine years, we never would have started. Oh, heck no. But yeah. And I think I like um, compare this to our to like the other habits in my life that I'm trying to create. Like, how do we always make this work every single week to to like it just it just happens. It's like in the DNA. Yeah. Like you just got to set aside an hour. Yeah, I don't know. Week. I, I think about the Gretchen Rubin four tendencies. Right. And how a lot of it also is for other people that are kind of like counting on us. And then every once in a while, I'll be like, is anyone out there? And then we'll get a great email. And then I'll be like, yes, there are people out there that still. Well, wait, which is your, t- which tendency do you have? I believe that I am part four tendencies. Let me look it up really quick. Um, okay, there's the upholder, the obliger, the rebel, and the questioner. Yeah, so I think I came out with the upholder, the upholder, and the obliger. Got it. I have like a crossover between the two. So I'm really big on outer expectations. Like if somebody is like counting yeah. on me for something, I'll be like, yes, I will do that. And then I also have a big piece of inner expectations. However, I will be. You'll like. I, question your own inner expectations yeah well i'll talk myself out of it yeah i'll just easily be like i don't want to do that you know if i have some type of goal interesting like recently recently i had to take this exam so if you're in any type of field where you have to do continuing education credits or get a license in the state of whatever you're practicing in because now i work for a telehealth company it really is beneficial to get licensed in multiple states so you can see more people so recently they were like, hey, we need we have a need in Utah. Would you like to get licensed in Utah? And I'm like, sure. And these days, it's very easy to get cross-licensed, meaning there's this great platform website called Medallion that does a lot of the like heavy lifting for you. It's awesome. So I was like, sure, let's try Utah. And they're like, oh, well, you need to have this extra exam, which is basically the same exam I took 20 years ago. It's a narrative version, so it's kind of more like, you know, you read case studies and you reply or you respond to these case studies and kind of talk through what you would do. So I studied for this exam and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I really wanted to meet this goal. I stopped studying for a while because I was like, oh, I'm just like so exhausted. And and if you've taken these standardized tests before, you understand how much of a pain they are. It's more about how to outsmart the test than it is knowing really the content. And it's also very weird to take a test about content you've done for 20 years because you have to really just go back to the book. You can't do something out of clinical practice. You have to do something like by the book, which is two totally different ways of practicing. And so I get it. And I was kind of getting in that framework again of like the buy the book stuff, went to take the test. And I was actually really enjoying the test. I think I was more fearful of, will I be able to take this test? I have not done a standardized test in so long. And I missed it by three points, like so close, so close. That lit a fire in me where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so mad. I just, I didn't meet that expectation for myself. And then I also didn't meet it for my work, which it matters, but they're not going to like fire me for it. They're just like, oh, right. well, you it just try like again. A nice to have. It was, is a nice to have, not a must have. And so that's not the issue. It was more of, I was so close and the inner expectation was pretty fiery, but I also didn't realize how fire it was till I failed. 
I was like, so on the day that Joy took the test, she was texting me and she was like, I have this test. I'm probably going to fail. Like, I don't even care. You know, let's just see. Like, I'm just kind of taking it. To I was see trying how it to goes. be super cool, cash, like not be, be nervous. Cash. Chill girl. Yeah. yeah, total chill girl. <laughs> and then she texted me after. She was like, I missed it by three points. And I was like, it almost would have been better if you had bombed it. Bombed it. Because then you would have known that it was like, oh man, not for me. Like not happening. To only miss it by three points is I think a worst case scenario. I agree. It was pretty painful. I was like, I can't decide if I'm happy that I was so close because I'm still, I've still got it in a way, but it's also, it also really hurt that I was just so freaking, and I knew the last question. It was the last question. It was so frustrating because I knew exactly, exactly the question that screwed me. And this test is written to where it will kind of give you feedback based on your answers of like, when you go on to the next question of like how you're doing, it's hard to explain, but basically- It's a a dynamic test. Yeah. And so I was responding and it would be like, pick another answer. Basically, you got it wrong. Pick the next. So as you do, if you pick an answer and it says pick another answer, it means you got it wrong and they start deducting points. But the case study was so, I mean, I ran it by almost every therapist I know. And they're like, I cannot believe that that was the answer that they picked. And I almost wanted to, to dispute it. And I even told my boss, she's like, I would write and dispute it. I'm like, I get it because it was very, you could argue that this question was very much giving a stigma to a person who was pregnant, uh, like a diagnosis to someone who was pregnant. Like the question was alluding to someone who was pregnant. And I would never diagnose this person with bipolar is what they wanted you to answer. Anyway, not worth going into. But I was like running it by all my friends are like, that's sexist. And that's like totally discriminatory that this question is like making you diagnose. And so basically, I would never diagnose someone with bipolar because they got pregnant and accidentally got pregnant. Bipolar can come along with like risky behaviors and unprotected sex. But then I'm also like, but that's judgmental, you know, so I like wasn't, I wasn't thinking that way. So this question just was like deducting, deducting points, deducting points. And then like, the last answer I picked was bipolar. And so I was like, oh, shit, I just lost so many points. And it tricked me. And the fact that it was the last question made me so mad because I was like feeling so confident. And then the last question just screwed me. So basically, clearly, as I just spent like five minutes talking about a stupid test, the upholder is that inner expectation where that I got so mad that I didn't pass it. And I was like, I want to go back, give me back in right now. I want to pass it right now, even though I don't need it. I don't need it. Back to our original point of would we... (laughs) Would we have those outer inner expectations going into this podcast? Probably not. Do you still have like a good handle on what you do? Has it changed at all as far as like- I never have like read that whole book, but I remember taking the quiz last time this came up. I was like in between an upholder and a questioner. Like I'm more likely to resist outer expectations. Okay. Like I'm, I am, I mean, all I like I inner and outer expectations- are important to me, but I'm more likely to follow my inner expect. Like if, if I have to choose, I'm more likely to follow my inner expectations than outer expectations. Mm-hmm. I also think it's interesting for you that rebel doesn't come up because it feels like you, you also have this like streak in you that won't do something. If you think that someone else expects you to do it. Um, I wouldn't say expectation. I would say more rebel. Like a, sorry, not expects. Maybe like if someone expects, but not in like a, like you don't want to do something if it's predictable. That is correct. I also don't love, I think expectations are different because if it's like, I, if it's like I'm relying on you, then I'll be very, it's very likely I'll stick to that because that's important to me. But if someone's like, oh, this is the newest trend. I'm like, no, it's not. That's kind of where I get rebellious, where if someone is 
you know, the newest real trend or the newest Instagram trend or the newest social media trend, I'll be like, no, I don't want to do that. And so that's because I fear kind of just like being that that sameness freaks me out. And it's always been that way. I've been that way as long as I can remember. Remember, if someone was, if the group was doing one thing, I did the complete opposite. So it, it's different from Joy. I'm expecting you to meet this goal, and I'm like, I'm on it. Right. I got it. It's more versus, like a societal expectation. A societal maybe expectations, like, exactly. Yeah. Maybe that's another category. And maybe the book goes into this, or maybe her podcasts go into this because I I've not really consumed that much content around this topic. But maybe there's another distinction between like personal like expectations that you feel that someone, you know, like an individual has from for you that you maybe have a personal relationship with versus like society's expectations that yeah. you don't feel connected to in the yeah. same way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like of all of the different personality types or, you know, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, like all of that that we just occasionally reference, that particular grouping, like the four types is n- is one that I resonate with the least. Like I don't really think about my life in like in terms of expectations being met or being questioned. I don't know. Um, but you're pretty good like- about like just independently thinking and not being too much like, you're definitely not like this rebel of like, no, I'm not going to do that. But it's just, it's like a healthy questioning. I think that I just have a very logical approach, like logical in the real sense of the word that like I take things very subjectively or I look at things very subjectively. And so it doesn't, it's like expectations tend to not really come into it. It's more just like, Hey, if this, then that, if that, then this, like, if I can't do that, then this will happen. If I do do it, then that will happen. Like, let me choose which, which outcome that I want. And it's, you know, it's more complicated than that. Isn't it interesting if you think about how this really isn't something that is like biological, I don't think, you know, because I don't think this was passed down the expectation piece. This wasn't like passed down from my family dynamics. Right. Like my mom is a complete obliger. Or no, I would say she's an upholder. She's a complete upholder. She might be a little bit of an obliger. Actually, (laughs) it's exactly the same as mine. Wait a minute. (laughs) Paul is coming from inside the house. I feel like, um, I mean, genetic, maybe not, but I definitely think it has to do with how you were raised because I think a lot, a lot of people, I think most of those tendencies probably come from the way that you were raised as a child to like meet others' expectations and how other people's expectations were communicated to you and like the importance that other people's expectations were put on you right. as a child and as an adolescent. Right. Because I think about a lot of people who, you know, so many of their goals and their achievements as like children and teenagers and young adults even are just directly related to something that their parents wanted them to do. Yeah. That's coaches or teachers or whatever. That's fair. Have I talked about my like little theory about templates of like how you're raised? I repeat this so much in therapy that I forget like where I'm saying this, but I always say like, it feels like you're raised and you have a template. Like this is the vision and the lens that you have from the world from like how you're brought up. And so many people have this struggle because they're trying to kind of like fit their like more mature grown up adult life from an old template. And I'm like, it's like an iPhone update, you just need to update your template. And you need to get rid of the old way of thinking because sure, it had benefits. And sure, it taught you a lot of great things. But there's so much from that lens that you look at life with it's really dysfunctional now it's not serving you anymore but it's it's so hard to change it's not just like an overnight thing but anyway i just find that really interesting too of like you know i think of my dad and how 
he's more, I think he'd be more rebel. Like he's straight up rebel. He doesn't want to, I mean, if he had it his way, I think he would probably just, you know, build airplanes in a garage his whole life and not work for the man. But like he had to provide for a family. And now he gets to do that in his retired life. Yeah, I think about this a lot when I'm doing therapy where I'm like, I mean, again, uh, Joy's a therapist. <laughs> I am a, You're I am a, a receiver of Receiver of the therapy. therapy. Hey, look, we're all receivers of the therapy so in life. True. It just happens that I'm... Not from Joy, to be clear. Often, Joy right. is not my therapist. <laughs> that would be wild. That would be a fun podcast, though. It would be Jeez. unethical and a dual relationship. <laughs> However, I'd be reported to the board immediately and lose my license. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, it's okay. I'm, Let's just do it on a podcast. What I'm trying to say is in my own therapy, I think I always like resist really digging too much into like, well, where does this come from? And like, what how do, what are your childhood patterns that are showing up here? Because I'm just like, hey, listen, like, have you seen that tweet that's going around? That's like, uh, it's like therapist. Can we unpack that together? Me? Um, no, I spent years packing it nicely away. Like, that's pretty much how I feel. I'm like, excuse me, if things are in my subconscious, they're doing fine there. I don't need to take them out. They're there for a reason. Yeah. Let's just let sleeping dogs lie. Maybe that's why therapy is so hard for me because I refuse to like uncover things from my past. But so I have, I mean, a hard time is not really the right way to say it, but like I sort of resist thinking too much about, oh, this pattern comes from XYZ, like communication style in my childhood or these types of expectations that my parents had for me or this like dynamic with my siblings. I don't know. For me, I think if I look back and I can say like, oh yeah, I'm sure this probably came from whatever. But I also feel like sometimes that just to me feels distracting that I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. I don't need to know that like this has to do with whatever my childhood issues, how do I hit like, what do I do with about it now? What do I do about it now? <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, get over I, this I, without having to. Yeah. Right. And I, I will, I mean, everybody's different in therapy and I definitely don't subscribe to like, we all have to unpack the childhood stuff. However, we would be doing a disservice if we didn't look at how we are now is a direct result from how we were <laughs> and how we were raised. So it's more about like, I don't think we have to pick apart every single thing, but it's more of like drawing the correlation of like, there's parts of us that just weren't healed as a kid that we carry through with us now that we're kind of like these patterns just no longer service. It's that template thing of like, well, I'm operating from this because it's very, it's automatic. It's a default setting to update this default setting, it takes extra work. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of awareness. And sometimes that awareness comes from a lot of pain and we don't like to deal with pain. So then it kind of turns into this, like, let's just put that, let's just put that back. And yeah, but, but like, like, is there something wrong with that? Can I just be like, Hey, that looks painful. I'm just going to like, well, it is behind if you, the glass. But why don't you want to look at it? Like why, why not just explore just to see what comes up? Why not? Like well, not you turn do, over you, what you just said. It's like painful. <laughs> You don't want to deal with pain. Yeah. So can't you just like look at it in like a tank and like it can be like a terrarium of your childhood pain and you can be like, hey, yeah, that, that looks you, you sure there. can, but it's not going to <laughs> benefit you in the way that it, it's not going to like benefit you in the way that it could. No one's forcing you to take out the stuff and look at it, but it's just Uncork like, my pain there's really no way around. <laughs> there's no way around it. The only way out is through. So it's going to come up in therapy this week. It really does phrase, suck. Uncork my pain terrarium. My therapist is going to I mean, like, Sorry, what? <laughs> Uncork my pain terrarium. <laughs> Is that what you called it? Yeah. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I 
uncorking the pantry. <laughs> That's going to be the weirdest title. No oh, one will no. ever listen to this podcast. Like, I just don't know where these girls are going. But I think about like when we had Zach Anderson on the show. Yeah. And yeah, two weeks in a row. I know two weeks, in, which I loved. He put like a reel together of when we were like, I'm, tall, I'm talking to you, Zach Anderson. When he said, you know, there's so much you can put on the shelf before the shelf breaks. And it's very true. But it's not to say, here's the thing that people are very afraid of in therapy is like, well, once I uncork that pain terrarium, which I like really wish I could use in therapy, I'll never be able to recover from that. That's the biggest fear. And that's what I think when I talk about increasing your tolerance to uncomfortable feelings, that's what I'm talking about is like, you just kind of like got to dig in a little bit. It's not going to come crashing down. You're a strong person. You can tolerate it. You can handle it. It's just that looking at it is like, I just don't want to. And so you can start to look at it and just consider it and then be like, it's uncomfortable, but I, I can deal with that level of comfort. No one's asking you to just like, dive in and go into the deep end and with weights on you and try to swim, you know? Okay. Just to play devil's advocate here. Sure, please. <laughs> this is like a meta therapy session. Like you're not giving me therapy. We're just <laughs> <laughs> okay. But in my experience, there's no middle ground. It's like terrarium of pain stays corked or you are in the deep end with concrete shoes on. Like there is no experience. Oh, there's no middle in the pain terrarium that does not feel like being in the deep end with concrete shoes on. To you. To you. Yeah. Okay. So it is. It's all like it's, it feels very all or nothing. Feels so, like, very all or nothing. So like if you were to like, open that, you would be like, it's it too much. Like I'm shutting out. down. It would be like when the Ghostbuster like, sure. tank of containment got shut down and all the ghosts were like released back into the city immediately. Yeah. That's actually probably a better analogy. That's a great analogy. That's a great analogy. Like I like the containment field does not need to be breached. It's all right. nothing. Like once the containment field is shut down. Yeah. By the EPA guy with the bad hair. <laughs> all of the ghosts are going to be released in the city and there's not. Shut this down. Shut them. this all down. Everybody and we're going to have to go through like an enormous Michelin man moment. Yeah. We're going to have to cross the streams to get them back in. <laughs> <laughs> and that just feels like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's I, I hear you. I hear you. And I think that it is so much of it really is in our mind of how painful it's going to be. And I think like, as you, if you were to decide to go there and talk about some of those things, that is what a therapist is for to like walk you through it. Be like, you're, you're okay. You are sitting here. You're fine. There's nothing scary. Like, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen if you open the know. Ghostbusters I feel like gate? A lot of bad things could happen. What? What's going to happen? What is the worst thing that's going to happen if the like Ghostbuster gate opens? I don't know. It feels like a mental health spiral would be a pretty bad thing to go through. Have you ever gone through like a major mental health spiral? Well, yeah. When I had postpartum depression, I did. Mm -hmm. That was definitely related to a significant a event. A significant event. <laughs> Very significant. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that there is. I mean. Again, like I think looking at patterns and saying like, oh, okay, this pattern exists is one thing versus being like, oh, this comes from this moment or this thing in my chat. Like, I'm more curious about like, okay, I have this problem now. Right. What do I do with it? Mm -hmm. And so do you feel like there's no way to get to that point of like, okay, I have this problem. What do I do with it without being like, okay, but like, really, let's dig this problem up. What does it really look like? It depends. It totally depends. And that's, again, what a therapist would tell you is like, right, I definitely have some people who are like, this is what's what's going on with me. And I'll be like, all right, well, let's 
talk about why you interact this way with this type of person or this partner or whatever. Like I'm just throwing out very vague examples, but like it inevitably ends up with how did you get to this pattern of behavior or beliefs? It's or it's always about a belief system about yourself. The belief systems are huge of like your template. How do you believe? What do you think about yourself? How do you navigate throughout the world and what your inner talk is and what your confidence level is? I'm always asking people like, where's your confidence? Where do you? So I feel like to answer your question without all the information, because of course I would never have that, but like just knowing you as a friend, I could just objectively be like, I don't see you as someone who, first of all, you survived a very difficult and tumultuous, I don't want to say childhood per se, but situations were not great all the time with like your step parents, you know, like the stepmothers in your life. But and you found ways to survive that by like overachieving. Like that was a survival technique because you were like, get me out of here. Bye. So like you have survival mode in you. There's nothing that you could talk about your past, in my opinion. <laughs> and I don't know what's in there. I don't know what's in the Ghostbusters box. In the but it would surprise <laughs> me. It would, the terrarium, it would absolutely shock me if that took you down now. Okay. Okay. It would surprise me if that all of a sudden I'll never hear from Claire again because she right. had a complete mental breakdown and shut off her phone and we never heard from her again. It would be very, that to me is very unlikely. And I think that's probably how it feels. And remember when I talked about the more you put it in the closet, you think it's like the scariest monster, but it's just the cute Monsters, Inc. cuddly bear. Sully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, always cuddly, fair. but it's okay. not as bad as it seems. That's what I'm right. saying. And I'm not right. like discounting people's pain, but I'm just saying most of the time, the thought You've, around like, built it, it up in your head, built about, it up like, in your head, horrible. And then when you actually do it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Exactly. Yeah. Fair enough. But it's also not to say like acknowledging it can be painful. Sure. Releasing that it's, it'd be interesting slash possibly healing to see like what's on the other side of that. If I finally was just like, ah, let's clear the cobwebs, so to speak. Turn the light on in the scary closet. Exactly. Yeah. A lot of analogies here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Terrarium is the, is my favorite one. Though. The terrarium. Of that's course the, the terrarium of pain. And the Ghostbuster. <laughs> <laughs> that one feels more accurate. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Yeah. The containment field. Okay. Well, all that to say. All that to say. We <laughs> derailed that because I mean, Really, initially, I opened this discussion with Claire when she signed on talking about how I'm turning 45 soon. And my doctor says, when you turn 45, you have to start getting colonoscopies. So just so you know, that's what we were like planning to open it with. And then it (laughs) somehow we got into Claire's past trauma. Yes, but we were planning on talking about getting older, getting colonoscopies, which is not as fun as going into you know, no, the, it is a whole other type of the cave of wisdom, true pain terrarium. You remember the cave of wisdom? How could I? Okay, I was like, why did you just pass over that? If you guys are not familiar with the cave of wisdom, probably this was back in like 2014. Probably, probably. I went to Madison, <laughs> which we're going to talk about Madison here in a couple minutes too. Uh, I went to Madison, not for the CrossFit Games, because this is before the CrossFit Games were there. But Brandon's family lives in Madison, and Brandon convinced me to do a tarot reading, which as you guys know, is like, I don't, you know, tarot, I do not begrudge people who like, who am I to say that that sort of stuff is not real, but I don't really take a whole lot of stock in it. So I got this tarot reading and it was so awful. This woman, and it was like, you're entering into a cave of wisdom. And I was like, "Mm, that doesn't check out at all. 
uh, you know, it's fine. And Brandon was like super into it. He was he like, was so yeah, into it. he was like, that, is- that, he's like, yeah, that's exactly right. And I was like, no, that tracks does not track. Uh, so that's what that reference is from. As a follow-up to the colonoscopy <laughs> comment, oh. please send us your recommendations for joy because and tricks. I have heard like you have to drink a bunch of stuff the day before. Yeah. But I, th- I have heard it sort of compared to like the pregnancy ti- uh, diabetes, the gestational diabetes test where like mm-hmm. it get, it's like horror stories. And then when you actually do it, you're like, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. And I've heard like to put get the liquid and like put, make sure that it's cold because of course they drink a bunch of lukewarm liquid. That seems to always be the root of the problem of these tests. People are like, oh, yeah, it was like room temperature. I'm like, well, there's your problem. Who wants to drink a gallon of room temperature anything? I just want to know what to expect. Like, no one has really told me. Actually, I should just ask my mom because they've had this and my dad has had this multiple times. Plenty of people in my life. And, you know, I don't I am not taking this lightly whatsoever because my aunt passed away from colon cancer. Like, I am not joking around, like, saying, oh, I have to get a colonoscopy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, I'm 45. This is now on my radar, like, officially. And I know it can be on your radar for other reasons, but, like, when I went to my checkup recently with my new primary care physician, she's like, oh, you're turning 45. You get to get colonoscopies now. And I was like, yay. (laughs) And I'm getting a mammogram on Saturday. I'm, like, getting it all done. So, anyway, tips, tricks, advice, mental preparation, please send it my way. Would greatly appreciate it. I had a mammogram two years ago. I think it was before COVID. Mine was um, last year and I have to get them annually now. Oh, I had one because I had like a cyst. It actually was like, I've heard horror stories. And again, I, my boobs are so small, like the amount of t- breast tissue involved is minor. So maybe Which that I was wonder, part of it. But I wonder if that's worse also, because right. if you have big boobs, really and have just to like get in there and they really oh, have yeah. to squeeze. They, well, like, yeah. They, I wish I mean, you guys could see what we're doing. We're both like, I know we're both like grabbing our boobs them. and shoving our boobs into the camera. It's like, maybe we should. <laughs> I think I'm going to put that on reels, actually. <laughs> As you should. The lady, the tech is usually like just putting it, like trying to grab every little yeah. morsel <laughs> to get into that plastic thing. Right. And the little yeah. Yeah. Super fun. Super fun. Anyway, but get it done. Get it done. No joking. No joking. It is really something serious to get checked out. Yeah. As another sort of in this same genre of get it done, I gave blood on Saturday or donated blood on Saturday. I'd never done it before. Turns out it's like really not that big of a deal. I feel like because I had always seen blood drives as these like big productions, I had always assumed that donating blood was this huge deal. And it really was not that big of a deal. So there's a huge national blood shortage right now. It would be great if 10 people who are listening to this episode would just go right now and schedule a blood donation in your area. Just Google like blood donation, your city. I was also surprised. Like it was really easy to find an appointment. There were a lot of weekend appointments. I was in and out in 20 minutes and I had never gone in before. So like that included the whole intake, everything, the actual blood donation. Literally I was hooked up for seven minutes. Really? Oh, that's so good so to fast. know. Yeah. Because, you know, by the way, thank you to everybody who wrote in, I don't know, a couple months ago when I was talking about taking blood or drawing blood. And so many people were like, it's just a matter of tech. It's a very specific technique. I really appreciate the nurses who wrote in or the whatever profession you were in the medical field that wrote in and informed me of that. Because it's, it's really good to know because they're like, it's a very specific skill. And if you're not, if you don't do it a lot, that's why it's harder for some people. But anyway, did you have a good prick situation? Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. If you are the like phlebotomist at a blood donation center. It's all you do all day. It's all you do all day. So yep. 
you are very good at it. Yep. And I mean, it was borderline pain-free. I don't have like a single mark or bruise. Ooh. Everything is, yeah. But I will say, mm-hmm. I did not, I was not prepared for being tired the next day. They were like, hey, take it easy the rest of the day. Like no strenuous activity. The next morning, so this was, I, gave, I donated about like three in the afternoon. The next morning at 5 a.m., I wake up to go on a hike with my friend Amanda. And we were going to hike Royal Arch, which is like, it's a fairly strenuous hike, but it's not very long. And I've done it a hundred times. It's in the Chautauqua trail system. We got up. We didn't even get to the start, the real start of the trail. I was in such bad shape. And I, we like sat down for probably a good five minutes. And I was like, okay, like I was breathing super hard, having a really hard time. And I was like, man, Claire, I thought you were working out a little bit. Like we got to up the cardio. This is like really not going well. Sat down, caught my breath, kept, kept hiking. Within five minutes, I had... I like had one of those moments where you feel like you're going to pass out where like all of a sudden my like gut started hurting. I felt super nauseous. I could like feel the blood pounding in my ears. And I just <sighs> sat down exactly where I was in the middle of the trail. and was like, I'm going to pass out. Like I'm going to throw up. And I was like, okay, this is well beyond mm-hmm. just like, wow, this hike is hard. This is like, oh, I donated a pint of blood 10 hours ago. Yes. Maybe I should have thought about that. It did not occur to me that that would have that much of an impact. But I guess, yeah. you know, like I'm not a very big person. Maybe a pint of blood is a lot for me. So now I know the next mm-hmm. day, just don't go on a 5 a.m. hike up a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Check mark. Got Check it. Check mark. Got it. Probably That's... a lot of people. Probably people are like, yeah, Claire, you're a dummy. <laughs> but I didn't know, guys. To me, that type of a hike is a very like standard operating procedure Something, type right. of hike. Yeah. Like maybe I'm getting a little bit out of breath. Wouldn't I would not consider it like a strenuous exercise. Let's keep in mind here. I'm from Boulder. Strenuous exercise is training in an altitude chamber with a VO2 max max on. Like <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's really like hard going for a little hike with friends. No. That's really good to know about the the blood draw or the blood donation. And it was so easy. And know that if you're going to a place like that, that people, I mean, if people are afraid of needles, you know. No, yeah, they are super on it. It was very, very easy. Great, great. Um, I will also say when I walked in, there was this guy hooked up who now looking back, he must have been donating plasma or something because he was like getting his blood like cycled through this little machine. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be here forever. But if you, and so there's all different types of blood donation. I just donated whole blood, they call it. So straightforward. Anyway, 10 out of 10, huge blood shortage. You taking action about this matters. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. And you go to a Red Cross website. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Google. Actually, in Colorado, it's not Red Cross. It's Vitalant. Oh, okay. Which is like a, you know, whatever. And it's like, or Bonfies uh-huh. is another big one. Mm-hmm. So it's not always Red Cross. If you Google it, it'll come up. They like, they have great SEO people. They're very on the ball for getting great. 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 <laughs> but if you're in the bold, if you're in the Denver area, Look up Vitalant, Vitalant, V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T or Bonfies, B-O-N-F-I-L-S. Those I think are the two main ones in the front range. But no matter where you are. And like they have center. You don't have to wait for a blood drive. I think that's the other thing. It's like I used to think like, oh, I just have to you have to wait to like until the blood drive mobile pulls up in front of your office. Not the case. I want someone to tell me because I really want to donate blood, but I want someone, a listener, someone who maybe does this for a living to like reassure me because I want, I tried to donate blood once and they were like, I'm not going to do this because my veins, they look great, but they roll, they move, they collapse. And so the people at the blood donation center, like, well, this was back when I worked at the DA's office and they had like a blood drive at our office. So we were all going in and they wouldn't do it. And so now I'm like really afraid to go there because someone's going to be like, no, I'm not going to do this. And they make it feel like, like blood's going to start shooting out of my arm because they're like so afraid of but drawing you get blood. blood drawn at the doctor. I know, but it's like yeah, not no, for seven like minutes. User, no, no. That feels like user error on the part of the... Ugh. 
So now I'm scared. Like, I mean, I had a ton of blood blood drawn for when I was potentially yeah, going to be that yeah. and be the match. Yeah. They had to do a oh, ton yeah. of blood draws. You're fine. Yeah, it's. I feel like that was just like just maybe got, they were, they were had just like too many people coming through. Probably. That's the only nice thing about doing it at the center is that they you like have like I was it was just me and that other plasma guy. Mm. So. Oh, you and just plasma guy. Me and plasma guy just <laughs> avoiding eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's take a quick break and talk about our favorite people that we do not avoid eye contact with because they're so good looking. (laughs) (laughs) And also because we love their products. We don't just endorse them because we think they're cuties, but we do think they're cuties. Our favorite CBD products, Ned, of course, is what we're talking about. I love their daily blend. I get the 750 milligram CBD daily blend. I take it every single night. I love their mellow magnesium. I finally just got like the bag with the scooper instead of the individual little packets. I get the Meyer lemon. I love it. I drink that every night as well. It just really, we've talked about this. It feels like it takes the edge off. It feels like a really strong tool in my toolbox to help me get really, really good solid sleep. That reminds me. And solid sleep improves everything. Everything. I need to, I need to do some mellow tonight. I had a very stressful day, which I'll briefly mention, but Ned is the best for just upping your stress game. If you need those tools, put it in your toolbox. Ned is a great sponsor. Please support the sponsors that support our podcast. You can get a discount by going to helloned.com forward slash joy. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy for 15% off any order. That's any order. And you do get a money back guarantee for your first order. If you do not like the products, money back guarantee, no questions asked. So please support us. We've been doing this a long time and we love sponsors that stick with us for the long haul. And that is Ned. Thank you guys. Thank you, Ned. Okay. So tomorrow, actually today, by the time you guys will be hearing this or even yesterday, the CrossFit games are starting. What? <laughs> what just happened? I forgot, what, I forgot what day it was. Today is Tuesday. The CrossFit Games start tomorrow. When you guys hear this on th- Thursday, it will have been yesterday. Oh. We're going to time travel with you to Thursday. So okay, funny. yesterday, the CrossFit Games are happening in Madison this week, and I'm having a lot of FOMO. This is one of the only years, the only the second year since 2013 that I haven't gone. The only other time I didn't go was in 2020 for obvious reasons. We went last summer. Well, because they didn't have it, it in 2020, right? Or did they have it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had like a little something at the range. Yeah, right. We're not going, obviously. Joy and I were kind of reflecting on like, I have FOMO, but it's more that I have like nostalgia. I have nostalgia FOMO. Yeah. I just, I just have to take a trip down memory lane. And the people who aren't CrossFitters or didn't really follow us in our CrossFit days, you know, just, just go on this journey with us because it's really full of love. Please just but enjoy this. Just enjoy it. But I think that, you know, back in the day when... The CrossFit Games were in Carson. I think the first time I went, Mom Sandy met me there. Scott got this amazing hotel room at the Hilton, and Sandy stayed with me for the night. And I just remember you and Brandon like drove, and you had like a. Didn't you have like a horrible hotel room? Were you pregnant that that first year no, we went? The first year. I just remember one year you had this horrible okay, room that yes. was so hot, so, and you were the- like. The first time Brandon and I went was in 2013 when we had just started the podcast. Okay. The but I wasn't year, there. But you weren't there. Right. Next year in 2014 was the first year we all went. And then the following year in 2015 was the year I was pregnant and I had this horrible hotel room and I had like my feet were so swollen the whole time. And I had like horrible calf cramps and we stayed in this hotel room that was like, because the thing about Carson guys, right, is that it's like not a nice town. And we stayed in this like really crappy cheap hotel room. 
the entire hotel smelled like somebody had he'd been heating up broccoli in the microwave. And we had a double bed, which sharing a double bed with Brandon, like the entire lower half of his legs hang off the bed. And I was like six months pregnant, six, seven months pregnant. So I was really big. It was horrible. <laughs> and then we like came to your hotel room for something and you had this like suite. And I was like, this is fine. You're like, you're like, can I just sleep and- on the floor and like sit here in the AC? Exactly. In 2013 and 2014, we stayed at my mom's house in San Diego and would drive up every morning. I remember we were, like, that. San Diego, which is like yes. a, almost like a two hour drive, I want to say. Oh my God. Uh-huh. I just have memories of the first, you know, Carson games being so much fun because like everything was really coming to life. And that was when that I, I feel like that was CrossFit's sweet spot. Don't you agree? Like it was kind of the sweet spot where things were like For super us, exciting. It definitely was where it was like, yeah, things are getting crazy. It was like getting really popular, but it wasn't so crazy that you had to like get res- reservations in the tennis stadium yet. You know, right. you didn't have to like it, the tickets weren't selling like hotcakes. You could still go to the tent and like, meet your athletes you really wanted to meet and that right. was it. in 2013 was the year i did that like car tire oh, thing with christmas, yes, Abbott. With christmas that was so Abbott. fun so um, great. and i think the biggest thing that i i mean i have this nostalgia for feeling like this is like disneyland you know everything that i all of my hobbies right now are completely focused on crossfit and i'm going to this place where everyone else is focused on crossfit and CrossFit at the time was still like kind of subversive. And so like you'd see somebody with their nanos on, you'd be like, oh, like, do they know? You know, everyone was walking around with their like Tupperwares of sweet potatoes. And it just felt very like, oh my gosh, these are my people. And I think over the years, as we have become less and less those people and as CrossFit like got bigger and bigger, it felt a little bit less like going to the meetup of like the secret club mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like now you're at this convention. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I do. We've talked about this a thousand times. I loved Madison. I loved being in Madison. It's so convenient for us because Brandon's family is in Madison, but like nothing will ever compare to the early days at Carson. No. And I think this year, you know, I'm seeing all the athlete check-ins right now. Like all the, I don't even, but I don't even know most of that. Yeah. I don't know most of the we athletes. We're in that world. Yeah, we're not in that world. I think the, the place that we were in when the CrossFit games were really kind of ramping up and the CrossFit stars were, again, I think that was just kind of, it's equivalent to me, I think of like the rise of a star where you think of Billie Eilish, her, you know, sophomore album that just kind of like blew up. She was all of a sudden just like riding. Everything was like top, 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 top. I feel like on that smaller scale for CrossFit, like that's what it was is all the stars were Instagram was there. Instagram was just like this new thing that was blowing up and giving them this platform. For us, it was the mysteriousness, the mystery, the mystique of Dave Castro and us really wanting to kind of break into that scene. So we were in a completely different place too. We were in that place where we were idolizing all these people. And we were we going wanted, to every day at home. And yeah, like, we like yeah. wanted in. We just wanted in. And like when Reebok would send us a ton of clothes and shoes, we'd be like, we made it. And, you know, like that felt really special. And we did meet such great friends and such great people that were in CrossFit HQ or like the first time we got invited to CrossFit HQ. And I think like Claire and I have talked about this um, like privately of just how now that we have our podcast really just focused on our lives and just this, you know, kind of journal diary type of podcast is we don't have something to hang our hat on in terms of like a goal around, you know, meeting Greg Glassman or meeting Dave Castro or getting connected with Reebok and kind of like getting in on the uh, on the club, so to speak. There's a reason behind that. But I think that's kind of what we miss a little bit about that. So we don't have that connection to right. the podcast had a main purpose. 
And now it is a little out there floating of like, who's going to, yeah. where are we going to attach to? Where are we going to attach to? It's a good thing and a bad thing. They're like, we don't right. feel so tied to that content, but at the same time, like we don't have a tie to really anything other than just ourselves, which is fun, but which is fun. You know, it's great. I think it is kind of odd to me or just crazy to realize like, oh, I don't know really any, or I recognize some of these athletes, but I don't really know them. And I really only recognize the ones who have been around for a couple of years. And most of those athletes who were in that first wave of like Instagram famous CrossFit athletes are pretty much either retired or they've moved on to do team. I mean, I even look at like Lauren Fisher, who was like, you know, the youngest athlete ever. And now even she is like kind of, you know, went team and is like kind of on the, on that wave of athletes who are not at the cutting edge anymore. And it's interesting to just watch it kind of, I mean, I think we talked, we, we made the analogy that it's like, it's like trying to keep in touch with somebody who you knew really well at one point in your life, but like have kind of lost touch with, and now you just see their Facebook posts. <laughs> yeah, totally. So anyway, if you're going Madison this week, sorry, we're not there. Maybe yeah, next year. I do miss that feeling of walking around meeting people like that. I yeah, do really miss fun. that. It was so fun. It and just Madison felt like Disneyland. Yeah. And I think like last year, I, I Brandon and I went, Joy didn't go because she was like kind of in like still in the breakup, the bad breakup phase. I was in a bad breakup phase. Yeah. This year, it just kind of was not meant to be with all the other stuff that been going on this summer, but maybe next year we'll make it happen. I still do like making it happen because I know a lot of our longtime listeners do still go. And if nothing else, it's just fun to kind of have a time to see people and say hi. And, you know, like last year I got to see Kelly, I got to see Lee, like a ton of people who, and, you know, of course I'll never forget like spending time with David and his family. That was yeah, I'll never so forget great. seeing David for the first time and Carson, like taking a picture with his family. And yeah, I mean, yes. now it truly, we have made so many good friends through this podcast, <laughs> like salt of the earth people in case people out there listening are like, what kind of community do you have? We have like the best salt of the earth people. I mean, I could not. I think of Mira. I think of Kelly. I think of Megan. I think of Donna. I think of Sandy. I think of Zach. I mean, Sandy is like Uh, Tina, Jesse. I know. Sassy Laura Lagos. I mean, we're just. I I, I feel like we're gonna exclude people if we don't name. I know. Will all of you? I feel like I'm at the Oscars. This is what's gonna happen at the Oscars. (laughs) Who did I forget to thank? I forgot to thank my husband. I forgot to thank my co-host Claire. I would not be here without you. (sighs) Yeah. Oh Lord. So anyway, all that to say, we're clearly feeling a little nostalgic, clearly feeling a little, <laughs> Just you know, in our feelings today. Reminisce. I mean, even remember like walking around and being like, oh, look at that weight belt. Like that's such a cool weight belt. <laughs> totally. Oh what my gosh. To get that excited about a weight belt. God. And, like, some, like booty shorts with lemons on them or something. Seriously. Like, if oh. anyone needs a weight belt, by the way, I have a small one that like I don't wear anymore. <laughs> I'd love to like donate it to someone Pass who needs it. it. Just yeah. let me know. Hand yeah. it down. Yep. It's a really nice one too. It's one of those really, really thick ones with the buckle buckle, not Velcro. Anyway, if anyone wants it, seriously, I can send us a DM. I, can, I know someone can, serve. can hook you up. Actually, don't send us a DM. Send us yeah. an email. <laughs> email. It will get lost. This um, is joyandclaire at gmail.com. Thank you. Do so wanna... let's talk a little bit about what happened today <laughs> and then we can process for a moment and then and then move on. Yeah. So I woke up this morning and I was like, you know, those mornings where you just kind of start getting like, oh, I'm just like in my head. I'm just like kind of in a weird mood. Maybe woke up on the wrong side of the bed or whatever. So I already kind of like felt like it was a weird day. And then I take the dogs on a walk this morning 
I usually take him on a walk, short walk in the morning when it's cooler out, you know, it's been really hot. And so I'm walking to this park that we always go to. Whenever I see dogs on the walk, on our walk, I usually recognize people in our neighborhood and I know most of the dogs. But even if I know people, I just go to the other side of the street because I don't want dogs tangled together. They always want to say hi. I'm not in the mood for that. There's a time and place for it. Most of the time on morning walks, people just have that etiquette to just go on the other side and like avoid each other. But we like wave and say hi. But you just kind of etiquette know if you get a dog close to each other, they're going to try and sniff or play or whatever. It's just annoying. Okay. So we go to this park and it's a pretty small park and it's by this like senior center And it has a little walkway in it. So it's really cute. One of those um, kind of parks that has a sidewalk with every so often there's like a little cute exercise station where you could do pull-ups or they have like a twisty wheel or you have like, I don't know, something where you can twist your waist or do a backbend. Like it's one of those cute little parks. So we go around and we're walking towards this park and I see this huge Great Dane. Do not recognize this couple. And granted, it's not like I know everyone in my neighborhood, but for the most part, I know people in my neighborhood, right? So I'd never seen this dog before. And so we're approaching him and I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. And I'm like cutting through to go to the other side of the park because I don't want to pass this dog. He's huge. I don't know this couple, but I'm trying to do the nice etiquette thing where I'm also just waving and saying hello. So as we're cutting and we're not cutting in front of them, I'm cutting just kind of like to the side of them, veering in the opposite direction, if you will. And they look at us and the woman of the couple Um, It was a man and a woman. The woman says, oh, what a cute puppy. And I kind of was like, oh, thanks. And we're starting to walk away, but the dog just starts lunging, lunging, lunging towards us. And I kind of stop and freeze because I'm like trying to get the dogs to go with me, but the dogs are stopping because they're clearly like aware of this dog lunging at them. So Joe and JT are just kind of staring. I'm trying to kind of pull them away. Next thing I know, this dog just like charges towards us and breaks away from the owners completely pummels joe just i mean i when i'm saying this dog is a huge great dane he was probably up to my boobs like that's how tall and i'm five eight so he was like so tall just completely tackles joe joe's freaking out and whining and screaming i drop the leash in canine companions training they always say if a dog attacks your dog you can do your best to push the dog off of your dog but drop the leash because you do not want to get bit And it also can cause more aggression if you're trying to pull your dog away. So they always say drop the leash. And so I drop the leash because I'm like, you know, in a panic. And that's one of those things where you just don't know what you do. You don't know what you're going to do until you're in the moment. The dog is attacking Joe. I can see him literally biting on Joe. The owners, and I start yelling. I'm like, no, 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 no. And so I I let go of JT as well. JT was just like standing there observing. Like he, JT's not a fighter. And also he's this dog. He's being an old man. He's being an old man. And I knew that if I dropped JT's leash, he wouldn't go anywhere. He was just going to stay there. And so the couple finally gets this dog off of Joe. Joe takes off sprinting the other way towards this, like, it's a neighborhood, it's a very quiet neighborhood, so it wasn't like a main road, road, thank goodness, but he starts taking off towards the street, and I'm like, holy apples. So I start running towards the street, calling him, Joe, 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 and I'm like yelling and yelling, and I have my treat bag, and the treats are flying everywhere, and finally he stops, like a good boy, like a good sweet boy, he finally stops and turns around because he has like the best recall. And he's so good at like keeping eye contact with me that he doesn't bolt and like try to run away across the street. He just stops and looks at me. So I run up to him, I grab his leash and I'm petting him and I'm checking out his body. 
the the guy of the couple has JT on the leash and the girl kind of took the dog like kind of a little bit farther away. So I take Joe and I told the guy, hey, you can just drop his leash. He'll come to me. But the guy was really nice. He starts walking towards me. He's like, I am so sorry. He just apologized profusely, profusely, which was so kind. And it was a weird accident. It's not something that I like was mad at them for. I was just so, so shaken. So I take JT from him and he's like, I am so sorry. And I'm just like looking at Joe to make sure there's no blood. There's no puncture wounds. Thankfully, there's not. I said, I'm, I'm trying to think, I said, it's okay, which I, I hate saying it's okay, because it wasn't okay. But in the moment, I was like, it's okay. He was just a really big dog. And Joe's very small. That's I think that's what I said. Because I didn't want to get mad because this guy felt horrible. You didn't want to be like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Of your giant yeah I, I just like, I was in shock. And right. I just wanted to get out of there. I literally wanted to just like, time travel to a different moment, because I was like, so mad, but also like, I don't want to get into it with this guy. I don't know these people. They were, they were like our age, you know, they weren't, they were like, young and looked really right. cute and 30s, hip 40s. yeah like cute and hip and fun and I just didn't want to be like a, a jerk which whatever it's I didn't I didn't need to be a jerk in that moment I was just like more let me get out of here and like get my dog away from this situation and JT was like unfazed which is hilarious so we start walking away and Joe is just like clearly shaken like he's He's jumping up on me, which is a sign with him. Like he's trying to like get into my arms kind of thing. So it wasn't like he was jumping like excited. He was jumping like, get me out of here. I'm trying to jump in your arms so you can hold me type of thing. So we finally get home and he's fine. And I think we're all just freaked out. And I tell Scott and I was just like, I'm just so exhausted. It was like that feeling, you know, when you just go through something and you're like the biggest adrenaline dump. And then all day, it's like, you feel like you're just kind of floating out of your body. That's where I'm at today. I feel like Um, like that's the feeling that I associate with like, if you like get rear-ended on your way to work. Totally. Exactly. Something like like that. that. Flood of adrenaline. Totally. Something like that. So Luckily, um, you know, I have a great community here and, you know, people in the CCI community are just like so helpful on our little Facebook group. And then I reached out to her. We have like a puppy program manager that she's like our liaison. Anytime you have a question about the dog, you can reach out to her, ask questions, ask any concerns if something like this comes up. And so I just said, hey, you know, this is what happened. Is there anything I can do to build up his confidence? Because really what you don't want. And the reason why I don't want this to happen to any dog. And sadly, people when I posted this on Instagram, sadly, so many people have been through something like this. It's just like devastating to me. And I'm so sorry that you've had to go through it. It's terrifying. It is my worst nightmare. This is the thing that I've always worried about when I'm walking my dogs is some random dog coming up to us. But the piece that's really worrisome for me is that Joe will develop a fear because he's young, he's only six months old, that he will now develop a fear of other dogs. And that's a concern because he won't be able to work if he can't get through that. So what we're going to focus on is just having really positive experiences with dogs. You know, we we usually only take him places where he knows dogs anyway. So I think like that's, we're just going to be super mindful of taking him places and having like positive dog interactions. I've had a couple local people reach out. They're like, I have a really, really sweet dog. That's a big dog. If you want to, and I, you know, I do too. I have friends with like really huge dogs that are so sweet. I think like that's what he needs right now. So that's, yeah, we're going to, I'm going to keep an eye on it, but I'm, my hope is, is it didn't make it worse because just by nature, Joe is a very sensitive, sweet little dog. Like he's, he's just, he's got a sensitive heart. He's not, Cadet was like, I've said this before, fiery, determined, headstrong. She could get pummeled by five dogs and roll around and get right back up and start playing again. 
And whereas Joe kind of cowers when big dogs come up to him, he's kind of like a little skittish and he runs between my legs and like, you know, tries to get a little like passive, a little more passive. So we will keep you posted on him. But that just happened this morning. So I'm still kind of like in that headspace. I think also for some context, right? Like you, you don't, you're not friends with this person, but you know of another service dog who went through something like this and was attacked by a dog in like their puppy raising years. And then it went on and was not able to graduate because they developed like a fear of other dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, it's not, this is not like a abstract random fear of like, Oh, this could happen. No, this happens. happens. And I mean, sadly, when I I posted in our private Facebook group today for canine companions, because I was like, I just want to hear for I've already reached out to our puppy program manager, but I want to hear if anyone else has gone through this, like what they've done to help their dog. And it's, it's so sad how, how common this is, because so many people have responded and be like, yep, happened to me. Yep, happened to me. And it's like half and half. It's 50-50 of my dog developed a fear and aversion to dogs, and they didn't pass, and they got released from the program, or it they were able to work through it. So it, it is like totally 50-50 at this point. So I'm a little worried about that piece, because of course, you go into this raising a dog, hoping that they're going to be confident and graduate. And I think he's got plenty of time to like work through this. It's just a matter of like me being really mindful to work extra hard to build his confidence back up. And I think on some level... I am probably more freaked out than he is, you know? <laughs> so I have to like keep that in check too. And that's so being... hard too, right? It's because you know that dog and animals and dogs, especially like pick up on your subconscious. On your energy. Cues. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, how do I like act like I'm cool without acting like I'm cool? Like totally. I need to like yeah. act like I'm just acting be chill. Like I'm, right. Just be like, how do you, I know. It's like, yeah. And so I, I think like, yeah. So I think going on walks, I'm just going to be super confident, normal walks with him, like the normal routine that we do. And just stay away from that area and just go to like the other route, the other routes that we go. But yeah, I mean, one of our acquaintances and uh, actually she is now a trainer at Canon Companions. Um, she, if you follow her, if you follow fostering puppies on Instagram, she has, she's a great follow and she's just such a love. And we met her at Oceanside because now she's a, a trainer for Canon Companions. And so Ashley raised a dog named Phil a few years ago and Phil was attacked in her school by she studied animal interventions like animal assisted therapy and a dog in that program just walked by Phil and just completely attacked him. And then Phil did exhibit some fear and aggression towards other dogs when he went to advanced training. And that's just like, uh, it's devastating because you know, the accidents like this happen, you try so much to prevent it. But when it does happen, you you just never know how it's really going to affect their psyche and their confidence. And so that's why I get on my high horse and and uh, soapbox about do not take untrained dogs, especially into public places where service dogs might be present because it could really change their career path and it could ruin their right. career path. So that I think is it's also like, I mean, it sounds like these people were obviously very like upset that it happened as well. Oh, but I feel so like upset. I've, yeah. I also, you know, we got a lot of comments today for on your stories or I you know we hear a lot of stories of people being like really not worrying about their poorly behaved dogs and be like, oh, they're fine. And it's like, no, like put your dog on a leash or, you know, this is why you get so fired up about pet dogs trying to pass as service animals in public places. Cause like if you, if they don't have this level of training from when they're literally born, then you can't rely on them the same you way. Can't you can't rely, rely on them. And predictability and, is the thing that you need when you're going right. out in public. Cause you have, these are animals. These are animals. You have no idea how they're going to react if they're in a setting that they've never been in before. And that's just yeah. like, that's what, and it's very unethical 
for the dog. It's totally stressful for the dog, which is mostly why they react. But right. yeah, this couple was so they at least the guy, the girl I didn't really see because I think she took this dog far away. But the guy was just like he could not have been nicer. He was he was I felt for yeah. him of how he was apologizing, and I think that's why I just wanted to get out of there because I was like, I know you feel really bad, but I don't want to take this on from you right now. Like I need to get out of here. Like I don't need to take on your sorry right now. Like I need to go. <laughs> That's an appropriate reaction. So you don't have to fix that. No. His reaction to that is very appropriate. He's right. not like feeling remorseful for something that he, you know, is he should not be feeling remorseful for. Right. I also like that was my reaction when you texted me this morning. Like they, they were so sorry. I'm like, I hope they were sorry. <laughs> don't take your like enormous horse-sized, aggressive, out of control dog oh. on a walk if you can't control it on a leash. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know yeah. what other options are. I can't yeah. help you with that. But like, put a muzzle on it or something. I don't, you know. Yeah. And I think like there are a lot of humane ways to muzzle dogs. I oh, think absolutely, that's, absolutely. You know, if that's something you need to do. That, but like, you can't pretend that that's not the issue, and just take your dog out and hope for the best because mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for a situation like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we used to have, you know, our previous dog before River, who's like just too stupid to be reactive. Our Luna was so reactive, and we mm-hmm. had to be very, very cautious and very explicit with what we did with her and how we managed her and where, you know, where we were in different situations with her, yeah. other dogs that she could be around, other people, other kids. Like it, you know, it, we, it was never something that was far from our minds of like, how is, how are we going to manage Luna in this? Or let's just not take her. And especially around other dogs, it just, you know, was very, I mean, we spent hundreds upon hundreds, you know, almost like practically thousands of dollars on training for her to try to get her over that. And it, she's still right. never fully. Right. Like became non-reactive and yeah. Anyway, I just think that it's important to like be honest with yourself about the type of personality that your dog has because in the end, I mean, I saw um, Marie, the shelter mom Instagram, which also shelter mom, fantastic follow. Um, she posted something of stickers that was like reactive dogs are still good dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true. Like I'm not totally, that, you know, but Look, you have to be honest yes. with yourself about the situation that you're in with your dog and what they can handle, what they can handle. That's all we're saying. Yep. This has Ugh. been dog talk 101. Um, dog talk, cross the talk, therapy talk. It's, it's been a lot just, of talk today. it's, it's been a day. So I, like I said, I'm still kind of in that like aftershock mode and I feel like I'm going to sleep really well tonight. Cause I was just like adrenaline dump. So yeah, we're going to schedule some good fun, light play dates with some very sweet dogs and get Jojo back to his confident little self. Oh, Jojo. Oh, Jojo. Oh, Jojo. All right, guys. Well, that is it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, Ned. That's helloned.com, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com forward slash joy or use discount code joy for 15% off all your orders. 30-day money-back guarantee on your first order. Check out their daily blend, their Mellow Magnesium, some of our favorites, the Sleep Blend, the Stress Blend. We just love all their products and we love that company and we love what they stand for. So thank you for supporting the brands that support our podcast. You can find us on Instagram at joyandclaire underscore. We are online at joyandclaire.com. You can email us. This is joyandclaire at gmail.com. We love getting your messages and we love reading them and we just love interacting with you guys. So please always feel free to reach out. But again, as a reminder, if you do have something like really important you want us to read, please put it in an email, not in a DM because DMs get lost so easily. And thank you guys for being here. We'll talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye.